0: All right, welcome everybody to uh, talk number three, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) the Hi-Fi Summit, I was going to say daily (laughs) Hi-Fi, Hi-Fi Summit day two in full effect. We are here with Macintosh and uh, we've got Ken and Joshua and of course we got the daily Hi-Fi crew here as well. How's everybody doing today?
1: Hey, doing very good. Thanks for having us guys,
2: we appreciate it.
3: Hey, we appreciate you being on the show.
1: Yeah,
2: very good.
0: So, what are we talking about today, guys?
2: We're going to talk about Macintosh's approach to digital hype, digital sound. I'm going to go over some very basic parts of how digital works because I'm not sure it gets explained too much anymore. And then we're going to talk about how Macintosh applies that to the products that we make.
1: Cool, Ken. Why don't you uh, Why don't you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. So I'm Ken Zellen. I'm director of training for Macintosh Lab. Um, I joined the company fairly recently. It was I started with them in 1972. Uh, they've got people there who have worked there longer than me, though. Uh, and all my life I've been involved with Macintosh Components, the only job I've ever had. So I studied a little engineering, but I'm not an engineer. So I'm going to try to give everyone explanations today that they will understand, and we're going to use no math. I'm happy to announce. <laughs> right.
4: There you go. All right. And, and <laughs> while I'm going through this with you, can I? Um, can you guys send me some samples like the one that <laughs> exactly. Joshua has in the background, <laughs> yeah. so I can kind of go through the process with you? Yeah. Uh, exactly. I'll you the address later.
1: It is. It is a tube DAC. Yeah. 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 Good eye. Good eye. Go ahead, Ken.
2: Of, <laughs> I would have been in front of my Macintosh, but that would be the living room. The dog would undoubtedly start barking. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. Yeah, let's hear it. That's I'm rock and roll. I'm curious. Okay, so let's start in. And we're going to just go over a couple of digital basics. So... I want to start out with this. This is a the type of wave that all music is made up of. It's called a sine wave or a sinusoidal wave. And it starts at zero and goes up and then down, and goes up and down again. All sound is made up of those waves. So the width between the humps of the wave is the frequency or the pitch. So bass notes have um, very long waves Treble notes have short waves. The height of the wave is how loud the music is, the volume level of the wave. So here's what waves may look like. And you'd say, well, Ken, that doesn't look like a sine wave, but it actually is made up of a whole bunch of sine waves of different heights and different widths and starting and stopping at different times. So all music is made up fundamentally of sine waves, but it can look like this. And you'll see why I'm going through this in a bit. Now, unfortunately, this is analog music and analog music, as much as you may love it, can get noise in. Noise can contaminate regular analog music, which is why the industry love digital sound. Uh, digital sound is almost immune to this problem and we'll see why in a bit. Now, when you have noise, you lose detail of music. Because if you said to me, Ken, what is detail? Detail is small somethings on the background of nothingness. And here the background (laughs) never goes to nothing. So. Digital is ones and zeros. We don't have to deal with ones and zeros, we can just deal with numbers. It's a bunch of numbers to describe the sound. And if you wanna know why digital is resistant to noise, it's simple. The computer chip that reads the music back and turns it from digital to analog is only programmed to read ones and zeros. So if noise gets in there, it just ignores it. It only knows a very simple language, ones and zeros. So digital is nice because you can send it over a wire, you can do anything you want with it. And as long as the ones and zeros don't get corrupted, the music stays whole. So here's a bold statement I'm gonna make. If you know the height, Of the wave, at every point in time, you know everything there is to know about the sound. The most complicated orchestra could be playing with 200 instruments, and if you look at the total sound wave as it hits your ears, as long as you know the height of the wave, at every moment in time, precisely, you know everything there is about the sound, and you can reproduce it. So what I did here was this is digital in its most simple form. So I took that wave and I've got a clock ticking. Those vertical lines are the times that a little clock is ticking in the background. And every time the clock ticks, we plot the height of the wave. Notice I've got one, two, three, and I've got minus one, minus two, minus three. So if you look at this, the clock ticks, we look at the height of the wave, it's zero. The next time the clock ticks, the wave is at three. Next time the clock ticks, the wave is at zero. Then it's at minus three. Well, that will work, and you can turn that into ones and zeros and back into music, but it's going to look like this, and that's not going to sound very good. <laughs> um, so that would be the world's worst digital system. Well, we can make it better. What we can do is we can have a clock tick twice as often. So every shorter period of time, the clock ticks, when the clock ticks, we plot the height of the wave. So now you see we've got zero, 1.8, three, 1.8, zero, minus 1.8, minus three, we've got more detail there. It's not just zeros and threes. And if we try to reconstruct the wave, it looks like that, and that still doesn't look too good, but it looks closer than the first one did. Well, we can get even better reproduction if the clock ticks more often and if we have more horizontal lines so kind of like a tv you know you always want more lines of resolution the more lines of resolution the smoother the picture looks it's the same thing here more vertical lines and more horizontal lines means more detail of what the height of the wave is at every point in time and better reproduction. So you, everyone's probably heard of sampling rate and not many people no, seem to know what it is. It's simply how often we clock the wave height. That's it. It's the, how closely packed the vertical lines are. So if the vertical lines are really tightly packed and we're plotting the height of the wave very, very often, that's a high sampling rate. Well, when we plot the height of the wave, how much detail do we plotted 1, 1.8, 1.83, 1.835? The number of horizontal lines, how precisely we write down the height of the wave, that's the bit rate. So the sampling rate is how closely packed the vertical lines are. The bit rate is how closely packed the horizontal lines are and the higher the bit rate and the higher the sampling rate the more pure the digital product reproduction is and the closest we get to the original wave which is this is what we want to achieve and if you have 16 bits and the clock ticks 44.1 thousand times a second. I have an extra zero there. Sorry about that. You can create a virtually perfect wave. This is what we were told originally, and it actually is true, but it's only true if everything is perfect. So here we've got my grandmother with cataracts in a car driving down a narrow lane and You know, in theory, everything should be fine, but it's really not gonna go too well for too long. Um, If she makes any mistake at all, she's gonna be in another lane and that's gonna be a problem. So although we've always been told that 16 bits and 44.1 kilohertz is enough for great sound, it's a narrow lane and if you do anything wrong, you can run into distortion. So we've all heard of high resolution audio. And that's when you have more bits and a higher sampling rate. And what that does is it creates a wider lane on the highway. So every engineer along the way can mess up just a little bit and you could have a little loss of signal, and if you've got more bits and a higher sampling rate, you've just plain got a higher lane that you're traveling in, and there's a greater chance that all the music will be preserved. Well, does this give us perfect sound? So here's our hearing range, it goes from 20 to 20,000 hertz, this CD player, for instance, has a pretty flat line and everything seems good, but we've got one problem with digital sound. And this is probably the biggest problem with digital sound. If you remember that clock is ticking 44,100 times every second. So with digital sound, In the background is this horrendous clock noise. You can actually, your speakers would be able to hear this clock noise and your tweeters and your speakers would go absolutely nuts. So with digital sound, you've got to filter out this high frequency that you can't hear, but your amplifier won't like it and your speakers are going to hate it. And that's the biggest challenge in digital audio. What we need to do is let all the music go up to 20,000. And then we need a filter that cuts everything off above 20,000. So we completely suppress 44,000 Hertz. And that's very hard to do because 20,000 and 44,000, that's about an octave apart. So that's really hard to do. And filters are really not very good for sound. They actually cause phase shift and that's time delay. So that certain frequencies get delayed from other frequencies. And if you spent good money on great speakers where the tweeters placed perfectly, and the filter in your digital device messes up the timing of your sound, that's really bad. So if we could design the perfect filter, it would let all the music through up to 20,000. It would allow nothing through above 20,000. It would have zero distortion. It would increase the noise not in the least, and it wouldn't shift the music in time. That's what the perfect filter would do. We don't have that. It doesn't exist. So the bad news is that the sharper the filter, the worse it is for sound because it shifts this phase, this timing, even more. The more gradual the filter, the better it is for sound, but the worse it is at blocking the noise. So we have a two-part fix and almost everyone uses this. We move the noise up in frequency. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna make the clock work at a much higher frequency. See how that red line is moved way off to the right? What we've done is we've made the clock in our digital device work at four, eight, 16 times the speed it needs to. Now, you might say, oh, we're gonna get 16 times as much music out. No, that's not gonna happen. If the music was put on with a normal sampling rate, every time you look at it and the clock ticks, if it click ticks four times as often, you're going to get four of the same readings. It's kind of like if your local radio station updates the weather once an hour and you decide you're going to call them up and ask what the weather is every minute, that's not going to help. You're not going to be any more precise. You're going to keep getting 60 of the same reports in a row. But what it what we're doing here electronically is if we allow the clock to work at a much higher frequency, the clock noise is separated from the music by a much greater distance and we can use a much more gradual filter. And gradual filters do not mess up the sound basically almost at all. So that is called oversampling. Almost everyone's heard the, ta- the term oversampling and I don't know why I've, it's usually not explained very well. So that's pretty simple. Oversampling is something we use, most companies use it, and it allows us to put in a very gradual filter. Now, the DACs we use in our preamps and integrated amps. I want to talk about this just a little bit because digital circuits produce noise. I hate to say it, but they do. So do power supplies. So this is the back of a Macintosh preamp. And if you look at it carefully, it almost looks like two chassis that have been bolted together. And that's exactly what it is. So what Macintosh is doing in their units is the digital circuits and the power supply are all in the bottom chassis. And the top chassis is pure analog. So the phono section is in there, all the analog music. And there's actually a metal girder going right down the middle of this. And that keeps the noise away from the analog signals because they're kind of delicate. Now on our newest units, we've done something else. No matter how good our digital circuits are, in about two years, they're going to be not state of the art anymore. So digital involves computers, and we all know how fast computers are improving. So what we've done now is we've put really good digital circuits in our preamps and our integrated amps. We use 32-bit. Remember, CD players were 16-bit, and the sampling rate is 192 kilohertz, Remember, CDs were 44,000, so we're using that oversampling. So we've got really good DACs, but now they're removable. So in two, three, four, five years, when they're no longer considered state-of-the-art, you don't have to buy a separate DAC or trade in your unit. You're just going to unplug the DAC, and you're going to plug in the new, better one. And that's kind of a neat feature we just started doing because mac products last a long time and we want our customers to be able to keep our preamps for a long time in fact this preamp has a da1 module we just came out with a da2 which has a couple of neat features in it customers can upgrade so that's kind of a nice thing and here's our two modules that we put in everything um the da1 on the left has got pair of optical inputs and a pair of coax inputs and a special input that if we have time, I'll talk about the USB input for your computer. Um, and we've updated the module, the new DA2 also has an HDMI input. Cause so many of our customers, even with two channel systems, they want to take sound out of their TV. And the best way to do that is HDMI because it gives you the best sound quality. So that's in our newest products. I want to talk about CD players a little bit. I'm going to get out of this screen for just a moment and see if we have any questions that have come up. Josh, do I have any questions yet?
1: Yeah, there was actually one uh, that was pretty interesting. Will the MX170 processor, even though this isn't specific to uh, digital, but it is digital codecs, will the MX170 processor support IMAX enhanced or DTS X Pro?
2: Uh, we are constantly updating that piece, and I would have to find out. So I would say let's put that in an email and we can get back to them on that. The MX170 is an interesting product because it's really just a giant computer that can update itself over your network. And we're constantly adding more features to it. I just found out that pretty soon we have a pretty massive update. So I know we're going to add some things and this may be on the list. Um, The 170 decodes so many different formats. Um, I'm having trouble keeping track at age 62 of everything it does. So we can get back to them with that, but that's a very answerable question. Excellent. Any others I should address at the moment?
1: Uh, The other thing that came up I thought was interesting is uh, somebody mentioned about shielding. Yes. The digital within the preamps to protect the analog. So if you could touch on that very quickly.
2: Sure. Well, analog signals remember can pick up noise. And no matter how fast the clock ticks, we've got a clock ticking on the digital circuits. And that high frequency can mix in, especially on the phono section. So phono inputs, those who are not interested in vinyl, this is less of a factor. But I can see, Josh, you've got quite a nice turntable behind you. Turntables put out about 100th the signal strength of all other analog sources. There's a lot of amplification going on. And if that amplification is close to the power supply or digital circuits, you can get background noise. In fact, on one of our units, one of our uh, integrated amps, we had two jacks, one on top of another, and we simply couldn't get rid of that last bit of noise and we had to change it and take the two jacks and put them horizontally so they could be right against the circuit board and by shortening the connectors that quarter of an inch it got rid of the noise so this is how much we pay attention to these things so the most high-end preamps in the world including ours are often in two chassis and one chassis contains the amplification and the other chassis contains the power supply and that's what we're really doing. It's literally two separate chassis, but they're bolted to the same face plate in the case of this, because it we didn't want it to be a ten thousand dollar preamp.
1: Okay. That's great information. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh we're about 20 minutes in, Ken. So if you have more that you'd like to speak about specific to uh our approach to digital sound or any of the other products and how we implement that. I think we should go ahead and move forward there, and then we'll have some more time to answer some more questions. And there was one last question that was actually, I think, referenced me. Yeah, those are Sona's Faber uh, that are behind me. Those are the uh, Olympica threes. Beautiful. But, yeah, but go ahead, Ken. Let's uh, let's start okay. back up.
2: Okay, so let's talk about CD players. You know, it's we've become a CD player specialist. And it's funny that some consumers and some dealers will say, why do we have so many CD players? More and more people are streaming their music. And the reason is there's tens of thousands or millions of people out there with thousands of CDs, and they still like to hold something in their hand. Vinyl enthusiasts know what it's like to hold a record. Well, CD enthusiasts, they don't get to hold as much, but they still get to hold it. So most of our competitors in the market have stopped making CD players. They just don't sell enough to be worth it. Uh, For us, it's worth it because we build our own transports and we stuff our own circuit boards. We can make money on CD players, to put it simply. So we have a very large variety of CD players and they're very important to us and we intend to stick with it till that last person gets rid of his last CD player. So I wanna talk about the digital to analog conversion in CD players because we do something that nobody else does. And it's pretty simple to understand, but I'm gonna go back to the beginning. This is what it looked like inside of an early CD player. If we go back to 1983, I think it was the digital stream comes in and believe it or not, they used one DAC for both channels. It would switch back and forth between the left and right channels back and forth and back and forth. And it worked pretty well, but you can see those two waves on the right side are out of sync with each other a little bit. That's what would happen because it's going back and forth and alternating between channels. This was how companies did it when DACs were expensive and in short supply. So if you bought a cheap CD player, it had one DAC. Nobody does that anymore. Okay, so this is how most companies do it. There's a data stream gets put into a left DAC and a right channel DAC. And what that does is it puts the music back in sync between the two channels. And this is really all you need to do. This is how most CD players are built, but we don't do that. This is what we started doing a while ago. Now, balanced cables are something I always talk about. I try to get everyone to use balanced cables for analog music because balanced cables cannot pick up noise i mean you can run a hundred yards of the balance cable and you're just not going to pick up noise what happens is in a balance cable which has three pins at the end one has music and one is ground and the third pin is what i call anti-music it's music flipped upside down before it enters the cable And then the cable picks up noise. All cables do pick up noise. But when we get to the other end of the cable, we flip everything on the second wire upside down. The anti-music turns back into music and we get louder music, but the noise picked up along the cable is canceled. It is just gone. Well, We can apply this same technology all over the place. We apply it to amps. Uh, Most people have, uh, if you travel a lot, you probably have noise-canceling headphones. They work exactly the same way. Some of the jet engine noise hits your eardrum, but some of the jet engine noise is picked up by a microphone on the headphone. It's flipped upside down, so it's anti-jet engine noise and fed to your eardrum, and the two cancel. Well, DACs produce a little noise. We know that. They also have imperfections in their sound. Everything does. We use two per channel, and we feed music into one, upside-down music into the other. It comes out. We invert what comes out of the second one again, and the noise and the imperfections of the dax job turning analog into digital most of the imperfections get cancelled now we're not the only company that does this but this is a great way to do it and what this means is on our cd players excuse me or streaming devices they will actually sound better if you use the balanced output because you're taking full advantage of this circuit So this is what you'll find in very high-end players. But this is what we're doing now. We've done it one step better. Well, I just lied. We're doing it four steps better. So what we actually have is when we put a DAC in our preamp or a DAC in our streamer or a DAC in most of our CD players, there's actually eight DACs. And this isn't for multi-channel. This is just for stereo. So we have, if you take DAX, DAX are doing mathematical calculations all the time. They're turning ones and zeros into music and they can make little errors. If you put two of them together, you get a smaller error. So for instance, if I gave, if Josh gave me A list of 100 numbers to add up in five minutes, I could come up with what all the numbers add up to, but I'll bet I'm making a mistake because I'm not that good at working fast. But if he gave me the list of numbers to add and gave someone else the same list of numbers to add up, and we averaged the answers between the two results, the amount of error would be had. So that's what we do. We always use, whenever we can, twice as many DACs as we need to. And that does three things. It lowers the noise, it lowers the errors, and it also lowers the output impedance, which is just a good nifty technical thing. So we actually have a left channel music and another left channel music DAC. And two, left channel anti-music DAX, and same thing for the right channel. If you can go overboard, that's a Macintosh tradition. Just do it one time better. Now, as crazy as this sounds, I don't think many people should be buying CD players anymore, even if their CD player breaks. And the reason is a CD player consists of two parts. There's a mechanical part that hopefully floats up and down. So vibration won't interfere. And there's a laser that reads the ones and zeros on the disc. And there's a motor that's always correcting in speed because CD players need to change the speed of the motor constantly, but it needs to be accurate. And that's called the transport part of the CD player. The other half of a CD player is a DAC. Well, great CD players are very costly because they have great transports and great DACs in them. But most people today already, if they're buying a Mac CD player or many others, they likely already have a DAC in their preamp or integrated amp. So buying a CD player with a DAC and plugging it in to a preamp or amp with a DAC is just—it's just silly. It's a waste of their money. So we also produce transports, and what this is—it's a super high-end CD player, but only the mechanical part. So you're not paying for the DAC. So it's still not inexpensive you can buy fantastic for the price of really, really good. And this is what most customers should be buying. If We take a peek at the back of it. It's got an optical output and a coax output, and it even has an XLR balanced digital output in case you have a balanced stack, which is really kind of cool. Another thing we do is we're not abandoning SACD. SACD Super Audio CD never made it that big in the U.S., but it's still gigantic in Asia. And I know quite a few people who have a big collection of SACDs. And the problem is a lot of new CD players don't play them. All of ours do. And you can't build the transport that can outboard, that can output SACD music on the digital out. So normally anyone who has a collection of SACDs can't buy a transport because it's not allowed to output it. I think Sony was afraid you'd make perfect copies of your SACDs. But what we did get permission to do is put this jack on the back. And it's a funny little multi-pin jack. And if we go back just for a moment and we look at the back of our preamps, here we go. See that MCT jack? That's an equivalent funny looking jack. And you buy our transport and you buy our preamps or integrated amps. And this transport comes with this interesting little cable and it The SACD decoding is done perfectly in balanced form inside the preamp. And this was a way we got Sony to be happy and allow us to get the license and let people save money by buying transports instead of having to buy entire CD players. So a fundamental thing about Macintosh is we may be about the only company around that isn't abandoning. SACD owners so just to basically summarize the Macintosh approach to digital is keep the digital and analog far away from each other shield the two have an upgrade path whenever possible so you don't have to trade in your unit you can come in and just get a new module when technology changes use balanced circuits whenever possible We use quad balancing, the ultimate version, because balanced circuits cancel noise and distortion, offer transports whenever possible so people don't have to buy a whole CD player. And don't forget about SACD lovers because Macintosh has a bunch of those. And I want to thank everyone for their time and I'm happy to take any questions that there might be.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions in here.
2: I'll try mm-hmm. my best. I'm not <laughs> an engineer, but I do speak a little bit. No, that hard. was a
0: great presentation. I think everybody um, understood yeah, everything you, you were talking about. Yeah, fantastic.
2: Right, that's the idea. Yeah, a lot of really
1: positive comments about the uh, the educational side of things. So we really appreciate you. Yeah. Going into that and breaking that down. There was there was one question in reference to the MCT since we just kind of got that topic. Somebody asked the question of how many pins are on that MCT connector?
2: You know, that's an excellent question. Uh, yeah. I it may be eight, because I know it's sending things balanced line. Uh let's see if I can take a look at that. Let me go back. Now, while
1: you're searching, while you're searching for that, Ken, um Is the MCT connector, is that proprietary to Macintosh DAX?
2: Yes, it had to be to make Sony happy. They don't just want to
1: make sure that everyone understood that.
2: Yep. Because we're paying the rights for SACD when we sell a preamp. So Mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It looks like eight pins in an asymmetrical layout. So I think that's the answer. Very
1: cool. Uh, Another question just came in. For transport to a C2700, do you use balanced or one of the digital inputs?
2: Oh, for the... Ah, yes. So neither. (laughs) So with transport, you're not going to use the balanced outs because they're analog. You could hook it up with optical or coax, but... It comes, the transport comes with a special cable, plugs into that special jack on the 2700 and allows you to play CDs and SACDs and MP3 Mm -hmm. and anything else you want, sends the signal down the line digitally, but balanced. So it's the best of all possible scenarios and you don't use up any of your digital inputs and it's free. It's in the box.
1: It's free. That's, yeah, that's the best that's that's isn't the best that, part and then
2: isn't that
0: that's so nice <laughs> macintosh just giving away free stuff that, that's what know, I funny, here.
2: <laughs> that cable doesn't look that fancy but it took our digital engineers three months to find a company that could make cable with the exact electrical characteristics we want so people will look at it and go doesn't look fancy you know the The part your grasp isn't made out of the aphromosia wood, but, you know, it's a great cable. Right. Um, Do
0: do these transports also support uh, DSD? That was one of the questions
1: I just saw. Yeah, that just came in.
2: Uh, So that's a good question. Um, We can do DSD on our USB Mm -hmm. connector, which is on the preamp, because that's usually computer audio. I don't know of any discs that are recorded in DSD. Right, right. Because so uh, I, the digital,
0: I, the direct stream um, digital, or something like that. I think it is. Yeah, it, yeah it's stream digital. It's from SACD, right? They took that and made it into yeah, like Essentially, a essentially,
1: yeah. Essentially, an SACD is more or less a form of DSD. And then when DSD came out, that was more specific to the digital files itself. And those can be encoded and decode. Those can be decoded over USB audio on our DAXs. Most yes, of our DAXs no
2: DAX DAX do yes. accept it.
1: That's yeah, it. that's correct. Well, um,
0: I I got a random question. I heard a um, long time ago that if you're you're going off a CD player, that uh, coaxial output is better than optical. Any truth to that? Or
2: oh my goodness, oh well, <laughs> you know. So, uh-oh. did I just <laughs> <into> things <British, laughs> grumbling
0: right instantly.
2: <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble in the UK. Oh, I think the Brits started that, that rumor they're convinced it's true. And they also don't like the displays on CD players. They, they usually complain that they interfere with the sound and they want to have a button to turn off wow. the, the display. I'm not sure I'm buying into that myself. Um, I like using the optical personally because coax cable is it's electrical and you can get ground loops a lot of people have run into this they buy a subwoofer or okay. they get a new cable box and all of a sudden they've got hum in their system well optical she, um keeps the grounds floating from each other so i like optical because it can avoid ground loops okay, if you you probably like coax and whichever one you use you know what, what i say Plug it in both ways and see how you like it. We Which put inputs yeah. and outs on ours, and you can use them all at the same time.
3: There you go. Got a couple of the great questions that came in. Adam's okay. got one here uh, regarding ultrasonic noise. If a speaker doesn't have a frequency response much higher than twenty hertz, twenty uh, kilohertz, is it really an issue?
2: Yes. So when they build a tweeter every tweeter resonates at a certain frequency. You know, the resonation is where it kind of goes nuts and you know, the mm-hmm. old L- right. or wherever it was, used to sing the note and break the glass in the commercials from Memorex tape. So everything <laughs> resonates at a certain frequency. Um, when it resonates, there's a big peak in the frequency response. So what everyone's trying to do is build tweeters that are so light mm-hmm that the resonance is above 20,000. So it doesn't interfere with the music. Well, uh, aligns at all close with the not digital noise that can really be a problem. Your tweeters kind of going crazy even though right. you can't see it. Gotcha. Um, but the other thing is that it's the filter that really messes up the sound. So I, I, you have to get rid of the noise for certain speakers. So if you pull it up to a high frequency, um, no one's ever argued that that's a bad thing to do and it kind of satisfies everyone and all speaker requirements. So why not?
1: Sure. Makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. this question here that I really wanted to touch on. So uh, thank you for highlighting it. So what's your perspective on sound after the DAC is passing through a tube preamplifier? Does that affect the sound in any negative or or positive way? Are tube preamps better for analog sources.
2: Well, I love the sound of tube preamps. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, I the first high-end system I ever heard was all Macintosh playing Doobie Brothers at a volume level <laughs> of about 11 out of 10. Um, mm-hmm. And I like my music loud. So I can't have a tube amp because, well... I guess I could, but it would cost a fortune to get enough power for me using tubes. But once you've got a tube preamp, you've got that tubaliciousness to the mm. sound. Whether oh, it's a tubaliciousness.
3: Tubalicious. I Love it.
2: Love <laughs> it. Coined that's it. my patent that trait, trait, that trademark. That you Macintosh. can't have that.
3: Macintosh mm-hmm. Tubalicious. I love it. That should be your next like product line.
1: Yes. <laughs> at, least a,
2: at least a t-shirt idea. Yes, <laughs> yes you've for, got sure. for sure. Marketing. I love it. So, Now having most tubes produce a fair amount of noise and you could argue, and this is legit, that if you're listening to high res streamed music through a tube preamp, you're not getting all the dynamic range of the music because the tubes noise floor is too high. Uh, With analog sources, We don't never have that problem. So everyone loves tubes with analog sources. Not to try to, you know, toot Macintosh's horn more than I'm already doing it today. But our tube preamp, if you put it to any high level input, like the CD input, Mm -hmm. and you turn the volume up to 95, which you'll never do in normal use, there's really no noise. Nice. We've, basically eliminated noise from our tube preamps. Um and so it's really I say go for it. Use tubes for everything in my opinion and that's just perfectly fine. If you want to argue that technically you lose a little resolution, I'm willing to do that for the tube. There you
4: uh,
2: go. Yeah, <laughs> like.
4: I'm with you Ken I like that hybrid yeah. approach. Uh tube preamp and uh, solid that's, state power, that's literally yeah. what's going on behind me. So, yeah, there we go. That's is the answer. Yeah.
2: That's what, and our two new super popular integrated amps we just came out with. One of which is arguably underpriced, it's a tube preamp with a solid state amp yeah. on one chassis. That's just mm-hmm. the hot ticket. And if you can afford to do <sighs> it all tubes, that's great. It's just that. I need 300 watts per channel, and that gets expensive with tubes. Yeah.
3: Ken, what was the model number on on that uh that hybrid that you were talking about, Tony? You want to pull that up?
2: Yep, the MA two fifty two, and now it's got a big brother, the MA three fifty two.
3: Because it, I'll be honest, those look gorgeous.
2: It I is one beast.
3: It is. There's no doubt. It's got the yeah. green tubes and then on we, top.
1: we took we took it one step further with our new reference um, single channel amplifier that basically has a oh. 300 watt tube amplifier and a 600 watt solid state amplifier. So it's a, it's a, it's a mono amp. Look at that. But you can oh. basically biamp your speaker with the 300 watts on the tube, on the, on the tweeter and the mid range, and then you can have the 600 watt solid state on your lower frequency woofers. So we took that same kind of ideology and then applied it to a single channel, single chassis amplifier. Yeah, I feel like I, I so have to upgrade my movie. life to to be able to use <laughs> that. I need to upgrade my home <laughs> and, and everything to you, dude. match. That. You're also going to have to work on your fitness because it weighs 180 pounds per chest.
3: Oh, oh if, <laughs> yeah. if you will
2: send it to me, I will gladly. So if
1: you can, yeah, you do the deadlift with with it. You'll be you'll be in good shape by the end of quarantine. Oh, there you go.
2: I will, I will this gladly is take, this take is that off. About 35, <laughs> though. This is only about 35 pounds. The one shown on the screen. Yeah.
1: Right
2: now. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, oh, this guy. This guy is awesome. Yeah, look, it has looks no gorgeous, man. In it though, okay. everyone needs to know that right. it's, it's analog open.
1: only and it's moving magnet on the on the phono stage.
2: That's yeah. its big brother.
1: Yeah, so on. that one has the meters. It has I more like inputs. That.
2: You know yeah. we, inputs went over, we went way overboard on this. This looks so awesome. Yep, it's yeah. rated for two hundred into eight ohms. Nice. 320 watts into four ohms. One magazine just tested it. It was over five hundred watts continuous into four wow. ohms.
0: Four ohms five hundred watt continuous? Wow. It's yeah, we
1: typically we typically yeah. underrate uh our, our power ratings. We're very conservative.
2: Yep.
0: Always. All, all the best yeah. companies do.
1: But yeah, somebody just commented that MC nine oh one, that's the exact amplifier that, yeah. that we're talking about. The MC nine oh one is our, our latest reference. Uh, single channel amplifier. Yep. And that,
2: everyone's always, well, not everyone, many people have dreamed, <laughs> Will. hey, Will, many people have dreamed over the years about tubes for the highs and solid state for the lows. And whenever they try Ooh. to do it, it doesn't so cool. seem to work. Look because at that. We there need you go. Crossover. And this has got everything built in.
3: That's rad. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. This
2: we could do an entire hour show on.
1: Look at that thing. That's uh, good. Maybe that's those, Michael. Maybe that's for a podcast, Ken. For your home theater, huh? Yeah. Just one for all the cool.
3: We could do yeah. that. <laughs> Dual mono. Right? Look at this yep. guy. Wow.
1: So there's Ooh, the electronic crossover and the trim controls on the top. Yeah. If you go back one,
2: uh huh.
1: go back one, then you'll see. Yeah, you see the trim oh, controls. Top. So it has the electronic crossover that's built nice. directly in. So it's a, basically it's seamless between the tube and the solid state.
2: Yep. And the electronic crossover does not fight the crossover in your speaker. It stays away from that, but tube amps can't be unloaded at low frequencies. So we had to get the deep bass out of the high frequency amp and vice versa. It's just a very special product. I even had, they even did a few things I asked for on it. So I had a little bit of input on that.
0: Yeah. I don't need to go too crazy. Just send me over one of the 352s to review. Yeah, the little, the oh, little, yeah. Hob- yeah. the little hybrid,
4: man. <laughs> okay. My Martin That's Logans beautiful- will love it. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Anyone else drooling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to get kicked off for X-rated content here on YouTube. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs>
0: <Exactly>. <laughs> too much porn Is there a thing like back to <laughs> porn? Yeah, All right. Well,
4: said,
0: I think. The
2: analog um, section is where you get noise anyway. You get audible noise from analog and you get uh, super high frequency noise. You can't hear <clears throat> digital and it messes up other things. So, correct. So, here's
3: a great question that came in from Randall. Any truth on the rumor that Macintosh is adding one of those to the giveaway section on the HiFi Summit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> um, they're they're not laughing, guys. <laughs> <I know that. laughs> <They're> adding
2: <laughs> adding what to the high yeah.
3: Maybe any, any of any of your products. Any the of the products on the giveaway. Yeah. Maybe in Q three. Oh,
2: unfortunately, oh, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. not not during this summit. Let's
1: yeah. make it question. happen, Joshua.
4: Q three. There you go. Three. It's hey. above
2: our pay grade to make that. Decision. <laughs> <laughs> Look, About I've uh, only been with Max since seventy-two. It has to be someone with more seniority.
4: Wow. <laughs> wow. You've been great, Ken. I, I enjoyed this whole uh seminar. Cool. So I appreciate Isn't you. Fun, it's right? fun. It's Thanks, guys. I love it.
2: I'm happy to do it again Ooh. sometime.
4: Fun. If as long as you had fun, then we did our job. And I think the people in the comments, I think they had a great time as well. Absolutely. Oh, so, yeah, we
1: appreciate the engagement for sure.
4: And if I do get Macintosh gear, do I does that automatically make me like on point like you? Because yep. you're, you're so on point. Joshua's kept everything, in ch- you know, organized. So thank you for yeah. keeping everything on point. I just need to get some of that gear.
2: Okay. <laughs> we can arrange that.
4: We Yeah.
0: No, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, Ken and Joshua, thank you guys, uh, you guys so are much. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you. We're happy
1: to be here.
0: We're happy to have you here at the Hi-Fi Summit. Day two. And uh, we have another talk coming up in about eight minutes from MoFi distribution. So um, all of you guys here for the HiFi Summit, don't forget to go into the lobby discussion and you can click on that group video chat. If you guys want to see some Macintosh with those Polk L800s, And Empetogo has a video shot of that going on right now. Yep, And um, it's pretty awesome sight to see those blue meters with oh, that yeah. uh, Polk Legend um, SDA. So yeah. Uh, We'll see you guys in just a few minutes.
2: Thanks. Appreciate it,
0: guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.